Hey, how many of you were here for one of our Christmas Eve services, whether here in uh, Noblesville or in Carmel? Uh, very good. We had a great big crowds uh, with two services here at Noblesville, two in Carmel. I think I counted around 950 uh, between our two campuses. And so, uh, so fun to uh, reach so many people here uh, during the Christmas Eve season. Uh, but uh, hey, Christmas has come and gone, right? I mean, it's kind of like in the rearview mirror. I mean, uh, my wife was saying, I think she was in Walmart the other day, and they've got an aisle already for Valentine's. Day. And uh, so as you make your Valentine's Day plans, you can know that Walmart uh, is already prepared. Uh, how many of you have taken down your Christmas tree? Anybody taken that step yet? Yes, we've got one there. All right. Maybe, maybe some of you have taken down uh, that tree. Uh, you know, in, in many homes, maybe it, it looks like maybe Christmas uh, never happened. But uh, now we look ahead to lots of football this week. All right. Uh, New Year's Day is right in front of us. And with New Year's Day, how many of you are planning to make some New Year's resolutions. Uh, any New Year's resolutions sort of people? I know some people kind of like you're in for the New Year's resolutions and others like, you know, I don't, I don't take any time with resolutions like that at all. I, I thought this was funny. I saw that one guy tweeted this past week. He said this, he says, according to my 2015 New Year's resolutions, I have exactly nine days to lose 25 pounds and to learn how to play the banjo. So... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes that's just how those uh, resolutions uh, go for us. But uh, how many of you, uh, looking back maybe to this time last year, some resolutions that you said, anybody want to say, I had some success uh, with my resolutions? Anybody? All right, a couple of hands. Uh, anybody ready to give it another shot? You know, maybe another go around, maybe some of those uh, same resolutions. Well, again, we all know uh, that making New Year's resolutions is a big part of New Year's. I was reading the other day uh, that 50% of people... Uh, get on board with making at least one to two uh, New Year's resolutions a year. According to statisticbrain.com, uh, the top five resolutions for 2015 uh, were these. Number one was to lose weight. Uh, number two was getting organized. Uh, number three was to spend less, save more. Number four was to enjoy life to the fullest. Uh, number five was to stay fit. Uh, and to be healthy. And those are probably no surprise to any of us. I'm sure if we kind of did a poll around the room, we could have easily uh, figured out uh, those top five for, for 2015. And I, I think it's probably safe to say that uh, the 2016 resolutions will be some combination uh, of those. But uh, when it comes to uh, New Year's resolutions, if you're like me, the question I'm always asking is whether uh, re making resolutions, whether setting resolutions really is very effective or not. Or, you know, does it really uh, make a difference? Well, I found this to be interesting. Dr. Uh, John Norcross is a clinical psychologist from the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania. And he's considered to be one of the leading researchers in New Year's behavioral change. All right, this is a big part of his studies. And he conducted a study uh, in which he tracked a group of 400 people for a couple of years. And as a part of his study, the participants were divided into two groups. Uh, group number one was made up of people which he just uh, titled as those contemplating changes. Uh, this was a group of people that wanted to make changes uh, in their lives. They just didn't want to commit to those changes around New Year's, okay? So that was group number one. Group number two was made up of a group of people that typically made New Year's resolutions each year. And here's what Dr. Norcross discovered in his study. He tracked those again in group number one, those contemplating changes at New Year's, but people that would typically wait until a later date to put those changes into effect. And what he found 
found was that after two weeks uh, of committing to their change, 51% of people had stuck with those changes, and at six months, only 4% of people had stuck with the change. Now, here's where it gets interesting. With group number two, the second group that he tracked, this group that he just simply calls the New Year's Resolutions group, at two weeks, 71% of people had stuck with a change, but the biggest difference came at six months. At six months, 46% of people in the New Year's Resolution group had stuck with the change in uh, comparison to the 4% in this contemplating change sort of a group. Again, what he found was just simply this. Uh, Those that chose New Year's as a time to implement change in their lives were 10 times uh, more successful at sustaining those changes at the six-month mark than those who tried to make changes in their lives at other times of the year. Here's where I'm going with all of this. While some of us, might be resistant to the idea of making changes in our life at the turn of the calendar, research indicates that this may be one of the best times of the year to implement some of those changes, to really have a a fresh start. And uh, let's face it, I I think some of us here today, if we were really honest with ourselves, would say, you know what, I'll take a fresh start, right? I wouldn't mind a new day in my life. I mean, some of you here today would maybe say, you know what, I, I am really looking forward to putting 2015 behind me and moving on to a brand new, new year is a brand new day. And, uh, and, and when I say that, I, I'm not really talking about making uh, some of those traditional resolutions that have to do with things like finance or exercise or health, as important as those uh, may be. But I'm talking about a fresh start when it comes to your relationship with God. Uh, a fresh start, a new day with him. I'm, I'm talking about letting the start of the new year mark the point where what we do is we just say, God, I'm going to give you even more room to work in my life this year. Uh, I really want to open myself up to what you want to do through me. Is there something brand new, something fresh you want to do in my life uh, this year? Here's what I want to get you thinking about uh, this morning. You know, Christmas ushered in a new day for each of us. Uh, The birth of Jesus means that everything changes. And that's what we've been talking about in this series that we're wrapping up today, this series called The Thrill of Hope. We've learned that on this holy night, uh, this night where the Christ was born, God came near. And what he did is he changed the course of everything. Uh, for us. Uh, he changed everything. So uh, if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the uh, middle of the New Testament uh, to go to the book of Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 13. We're going to start in Philippians, and then we're going to transition over to the book of Acts. But Philippians chapter 3, or page 819 in your Bible, if you use something like the Version app on your phone, feel free to go there to Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 13. And today, as we can, uh, conclude this series, we're talking about, again, on how this, on this holy night, how God ushered in a new day uh, for us, a a new and glorious morn, as the songwriter uh, has written. And the good news for us is that Christmas, again, isn't just something that happened, but it is something that happens for us, Uh, which means that today or the start of a brand new year is about encountering a Savior and and letting him uh, transform our lives. Uh, letting him transform, you know, this next year for us and what he wants to do uh, in our lives. I mean, this, this, this Christmas means, you know, that we can have a fresh start, a fresh start with the Lord, a new year with the Lord. And that just means a fresh start in your relationship with God. If you just feel like, you know what, I, I need a, a new start. I need a fresh start with him. Maybe for some of you, it means a, a fresh start uh, in a relationship 
uh, that you have with somebody right now, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a relationship with a child, a relationship with your parents, or a close friend, maybe really just a fresh start in any area uh, of our lives. And just in case there's any doubt in you that it's really possible to experience a new and glorious morn, what I want to do this morning is I want to spend a little time looking at the life of one man who was probably the last person anyone would have ever imagined uh, could change, and that's a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. And uh, really, if transformation was possible in the life of the Apostle Paul. It really, it, it's possible for any one of us here. Now, if you've spent any time around Genesis at all, or really probably any church for that matter, you've likely heard us or others talk about the life of the Apostle Paul. And uh, we know that Paul planted dozens of churches. Uh, we know that he helped thousands of people find their way back to God, and he wrote many of the books that make up our New Testament today. Uh, but before all of that, Paul's life was on a very different comp- path, a a completely different path. In fact, here's how Paul described himself uh, in Galatians chapter 1 verse 13. Paul writes, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism and how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Now his own words, intensely persecuted, is not an overstatement. In fact, one version of the Bible says he savagely persecuted people. And so what I want to do is I want to back up just a little bit and help you understand a little bit of his story uh, of transformation. Uh, Just kind of briefly, Paul uh, had the benefit of growing up in a Roman province, uh, thereby making him a Roman citizen. But in addition to that, he was also Jewish, and so his Hebrew name is actually Saul. And so if you're new to all of this today, as I use the word Saul, as I use the word, uh, the name Paul, uh, we're talking about the same person here, all right? Saul is the Hebrew name. Paul would be his Greek name. And so just know that we're talking about the same guy. It's kind of like, you know, Sean Combs is the P. Diddy, is the Puff Daddy, is the Diddy, right? I mean, we're, we're just talking about the same, the same fella here. Well, anyway, as a young guy, Saul would have gone to Jerusalem uh, to start his formal education. And because he was from a wealthy family, he was able able to go to such a prestigious school. And it was there in Jerusalem where he studied under one of the most prominent uh, rabbis of the day, one of the most prominent rabbinical schools. Acts uh, 22.3 says that he was trained, again, by one of the best rabbis of the day, a guy by the name of Gamaliel, and that he eventually, that Paul or Saul eventually uh, became a Pharisee. That is a religious leader in the Jewish faith. And, and, And if you add it all up, all this training and all of this experience for Saul uh, led him to this idea that the, the crucified Messiah was, was not only impossible, but also offensive too. Now, here, here's the thing. You, you know some people like that. You, you've got some people in your lives right now that find it very impossible to believe. Uh, they just can't get their mind wrapped around the possibility that one man, the Son of God, that the Messiah would come, that he would give his life. I mean, maybe that describes where some of you are right now. And you just, you just can't get there. And you want to get there and maybe even want to believe, but you just find it impossible to believe right now. I, I just want to challenge you. If that's the case for you, don't give up on God yet. And don't give up what he wants to do in your life or what he's going to need to do to break through uh, with you, if you've got somebody in your life right now, if you've got somebody in your home, if you've got somebody that you love, somebody that you just, you look at them and you just think, you know, it's impossible. They will never come to the Lord. Don't give up on God just yet because as he's gonna break through in the life of Saul, he can break through into the life of that loved one, of that person that you're praying for uh, in your life. You know, after the Jesus' death and resurrection, 
And when the Christian church was just really beginning to take off and to form, uh, Saul, uh, this Pharisee, became determined to stop it. Uh, it really became his passion. And so uh, he traveled the region. What he did is he traveled the region arresting anyone who followed Jesus. And we know that he stood by as many uh, were murdered. Uh, these followers of Christ were murdered because of their faith in the Lord. Now, let me just stop there for a second uh, and ask you to put yourself in Saul's shoes. All right, I mean, if you're Saul and if that's your past, all right, if that's the type of treachery and chaos that you're involved in, I mean, how, how do you think you're gonna feel about that moving forward? Uh, how do you think that's gonna impact your life from, from this day forward? I mean, imagine for a minute that God were to use you, or excuse me, imagine for a minute that you used to persecute people just like uh, Saul did, and then by some miracle uh, of God, you now become one of them. I mean, can you imagine the guilt? I mean, can you imagine some of the guilt and the pain and the regrets that Paul or Saul's gonna have to work through and the baggage and again, uh, the shame that every day would threaten uh, to beat you down? You know, the fact is, the truth is that shame and regret have a way of consuming us. Uh, They have a way of beating us down. Yet when Paul looked back on his past, he was able, he came to a place where he was able to say this. Look now, Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 13. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you got a Bible on you today, or I guess you've got a highlighting uh, tool on your app, uh, underline those words, forgetting what is behind. Man, those are so good. Uh, those are the words I want to focus in on today. Paul is going to say, I, I am forgetting what is behind. And that, that's a pretty bold statement, all right, from a guy with a, a past like Paul. I mean, don't you think? But, but here's something Paul understood and something that we need to embrace as well, that living in the light of a new and glorious morn of Christmas means that we get to leave things behind. We get to think, put things behind us, things like our failures, uh, things like uh, regrets from the past. You know, with, with Christ, we, we can put wounds behind us. We can be healed from those wounds uh, from our past. We can, we can put behind us a relationship that was lost. I mean, have any of those in your life from 2015? I mean, think about it. I mean, as you look back on this past year of your life, I mean, are there some things that you would love to leave behind? some things that you'd like to put behind you, things that you need to let go of. Maybe, maybe these are things that happened over this past year, but maybe, maybe they go years uh, beyond that. Uh, Max Lucado is a pastor and an author, and he tells a story uh, of a man by the name of Noble Doss. And uh, he writes this, he says, Noble Doss dropped the ball, one ball, one pass, one mistake. In 1941, he let one fall, and it's haunted him ever since. He says, I cost us the national championship. The University of Texas football team was ranked number one in the nation and hoping for an undefeated season and a berth in the Rose Bowl, they played conference rival Baylor University. With a 7-0 lead in the third quarter, the Longhorn quarterback launched a deep pass to wide open Noble Doss. The only thing I had between me and the goal, he recalls, was 20 yards of grass. The throw was on target. Longhorn fans rose to their feet. The sure-handed Doss spotted the ball and reached out, but it slipped through. Baylor rallied and tied the score with seconds to play. Texas lost their top ranking and consequently their chance at the Rose Bowl. I think about that play every day, Doss admits. And not that he lacks other memories. 
Happily married for more than six decades, a father, grandfather. He served in the Navy during World War II. He appeared on the cover of Life magazine with his Texas teammates. He intercepted 17 passes during his collegiate career, a university record. He won two NFL titles with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Texas High School Hall of Fame and the Longhorn Hall of Honor include his name. Most fans remember the plays Doss made and the passes he caught. Doss remembers the one he missed. And once upon meeting a new Longhorn head coach, Doss told him that he bobbled the ball. It had been 50 years since the game, and he wept as he told the story. Shame and regret have a way of consuming us, don't they? And even if things get better, uh, even as we move on, even as the years go by, sometimes we just can't seem to let go of those things that according to the calendar have come and gone. What regrets are you holding on to today? What's got you trapped, consumed? You know, maybe for some, maybe it's a lost marriage. Uh, maybe a lost relationship with a, a child, with a, a parent or a friend. Uh, maybe it's an affair from your past. He or she knows, maybe they don't know. And you've been able to keep it undercover. Maybe it's an unfortunate exchange of words. Maybe an abortion from your past. You know, even with all of the good going on in your life today, the challenge that you have is you just can't seem to put it behind you, can't seem to put a regret and your life to rest. Here's the good news. With Christ, you can. Jesus makes all things possible. He can help us put those regrets behind us. Again, Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, meaning I'm still a work in progress. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And what's Paul saying to us now? I mean, I think Paul's saying now's the perfect time, now more than ever, to forget what is behind and like a runner who's running a race to strain toward what is ahead. I mean, for me, it's almost as if I can hear the Lord saying, Paul, it's time to move towards the goal. Just keep moving towards the goal, a new beginning, a fresh start a new and glorious morn. See, here's the one thing that you and I, in all, with all of the resources that we have available to us and all of the smarts that we have, here, here's the one thing that we're really not equipped to do. We can't change the past. You can't change the past. And so when Paul says forgetting what is behind, what, what he is saying is that he's got a lot in his life that he can't put behind him, that he can't change. And that's why the apostle Paul, the transformed Saul, leaned on this new and this glorious morn. It's why you and I can celebrate a new and glorious morn with Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus can make all of the difference in Saul's life, there is no reason that he can't make all of the difference in your life too. And so what enabled Saul to step into a new day? Well, turn, if you would, now over to Acts. Uh, go to the left in your Bible. Turn over to Acts chapter 9 uh, for just a few minutes. What I want you to see is the most important event 
that ever took place in the life of Saul. Now, we might call uh, this Saul's New Year's Day or Paul's New Year's Day. And just so you understand what's happening here, this is Paul pre-Jesus, all right? This is, this is bad guy Paul, all right? This is Saul, all right? Now going back to the Hebrew name. And so Saul is on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. Uh, Luke writes, the writer, the historian here writes that he is breathing out murderous threats as he goes against followers of Christ. He's out for blood, but then something unexpected happens for him. Uh, Pick it up in Acts chapter nine, starting in verse three. It says, as he neared, as Saul neared Damascus on his journey, uh, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, can, can you imagine uh, something like this happening to one of you or to, to happening in your life? I mean, this, this flash of light and all of a sudden this voice uh, calls out to you by name. Now, maybe God hasn't approached you like this. All right, maybe you've had an experience similar to this, maybe nothing like this at all, but, but what the Lord does is he tries to get our attention. He works on getting our attention in, in many ways. Sometimes he'll get our attention uh, through a friend who, who looks into your life and expresses concern, maybe over some decisions that you're making. Sometimes uh, the Lord will use a family member you know, who will look at your life and maybe challenge uh, you to make a, a certain change. Sometimes the Lord will use a crisis uh, in our life to really get our attention. Sometimes he'll use a message, you know, here on a Sunday morning that, that kind of challenges your growth. The Lord works in all sorts of ways. He is constantly inviting and constantly challenging and calling out to us, uh, inviting us into a new and glorious morning. And the thing with God is this, that when God calls to you, when he calls out to you, he's not just calling you away from your past, but he's calling you into a new future as well, right? He's got a new path for you and a new path for me. And so let's just stop there for a moment and ask, you know, what might God be calling out to you today? And as you just think about, you know, some of the things that you've been thinking, as you think about some of the things that maybe you've been studying, as you think about maybe some of those things that are happening here on Sundays, those things that really resonate with you, or maybe you've got a friend that's speaking into your life. I mean, what, what might it be? I mean, what, or what would you like to see God do in your life over the course of this next year? I mean, maybe, maybe it's to start a new relationship. Or maybe you need to end one. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the year where you say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really move towards being the, the husband or the wife that I know that he wants me to be or to be the, the mother or father that he wants me to be. And maybe, maybe today's the day where you say, you know what, I mean, this is where I finally start opening up my Bible and learning how to feed myself, you know, spiritually. Or maybe for you, it's all about, you know, saying, you know, I'm gonna get even more involved in the life of my church or get involved with people who make up this church family. And, and how did Saul or how did Paul enter his new day? Well, I just want you to see that it started with a yes. It started by saying yes. I mean, he says yes to a new future. He says yes to a new way. He says yes to this new day with the Lord. And, and here's the thing. Saul was a strong man. All right, we read all about his qualifications and his strength. And so he could, I, I believe he could have encountered God and run the other direction. I mean, think about how often you and I, we encounter God and run the other direction. And how he tries to get us our, our attention or move us in a direction or get us leaning a certain way or another. But Saul's not going to do that here. God calls to Saul. He knocks him to the ground. And Saul's going to get up and say yes to God and yes to a new day. Look, look over at verse 6. God says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by hand into Damascus. 
And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink or anything. And so Jesus tells Saul to get up and to go into the city. And one interesting uh, twist to this encounter is now he's got no eyesight. All right, I'm going to talk about getting somebody's attention. All right, Saul's lost his eyesight. He can't see what's ahead of him. He doesn't know where this new future is leading him, but, but he just obediently takes these next steps anyways. He, he's moving forward, trusting Jesus, trusting that Jesus will show him uh, where he's supposed to start this new path. And as he moves forward, there's another thing that helps Saul enter a new and glorious morn. Pick up verse 10. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias... Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I just want you to see, do you see how God is orchestrating all of these events and these people and places at just the right time? And he is good and he is sovereign. And God's gonna use Ananias. And Ananias isn't too thrilled about the plan, all right? Which just kind of helps us understand really the reputation that Saul had and how feared he really was. And so Ananias is reluctant. And his initial response to God is really kind of, a lot like the initial responses to God, at least my initial responses to God, especially when it's the challenge to do something out of the ordinary, like, you know, God, I don't really want to do this, or I don't feel qualified to do this. You ever have thoughts like that? I don't feel equipped to do this, or I don't really have time to do this, or what if this goes terribly wrong, or, I mean, for me, God, are you sure you got the right guy? I don't know about you, but I can totally, totally relate to Ananias' hesitation But God assures Ananias that the best response to the Lord is always a yes. To always follow an obedient path. Verse 17 says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you can see again and may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so Ananias obeys. And Ananias is going to uh, go to Saul and God is going to use him uh, to restore Saul's sight. I just want you to see that Ananias is going to play a part in Saul or in Paul finding his way back to God. And one of the things that I just love about this story is how Ananias plays a relatively small, yet very significant role in the history of what God is going to do in this world. I mean, Ananias, he reminds me of the importance of each individual person, kind of like each individual member of a band or an ensemble or an orchestra. For example, my son Luke is currently playing in the uh, hand chimes group uh, for his local elementary school. And um, I think there are around a dozen kids in this group. And we were watching him perform the other night. We went to one of his performances. And I was just kind of studying Luke uh, in his role, playing this particular hand chime. And, uh, you know, playing on his own, playing on a solo, you'd have no idea uh, what song he was playing because hand chimes don't work like that. 
Uh, But when you put a team together, when you put a group together, and everyone has a part to play, and each person has their own unique contribution, and the director leads and the director guides each member of the team to play at the appropriate time, you get this beautiful song. And for Ananias, he had a small part to play. And you know what? You're never going to hear of him again. He's never mentioned again in Scripture. But without Ananias, Saul doesn't become Paul the most influential leader in the history of the church. You know, this is one of the most remarkable transformations of a person in history. And remember, if a new and glorious morn is possible in the life of Paul, I just want you to know that it's possible in your life too, that God can do the same things in you. And so I just want to ask you this question as we, we wrap up today. Are you, would you say that you're in, in need of a new day? a fresh start? Uh, Most importantly, are you living in the light of a new and glorious morn that we have through a relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, why not choose now as the time for that, as the time for that beginning in you? I mean, what what do you need to say yes to right now? Um, Maybe for some of you today, you need to say yes to finding your way back to God. You know, you've been choosing your own way or maybe choosing your own path for a really long time and it's, it's time to come under the leadership of, of, a, of our loving Father uh, in heaven. Maybe, maybe you've been living for something else and it's time to start living for the Lord and that just means for you, uh, it could be time to really just make the decision to trust Christ and make a public commitment to him through baptism. Uh, some of you need to say yes to a renewed relationship with the Lord. I mean, you're a Christian, but you know that you're not really investing in your relationship with Jesus. But today can be the start of a new day with you. Uh, Some of you need to say yes to a new chapter in your relationships. And uh, for you, that might mean getting some professional help, some professional counseling. Uh, For you and your spouse or you and your kid, that might mean setting some tough boundaries uh, with some people in your life that are really abusing you or taking advantage of you right now. Some of you need to say yes to a healthier way of living or say yes to reordering your priorities so that you can choose those things that matter the most. Some of you need to say yes to your church again and to really get fully on board because maybe you've been so distracted by so many other things. And so you need to get back to being in relationship with others here, being in relationship with others through your church or to get back to serving again. Some of you need to say yes so that God can do something greater in your life. And if you don't know where to start in that, let me just tell you about one opportunity we have coming up in a few weeks. We're going to be offering uh, for the first time what we call our Wired Workshop here at Genesis. It's going to happen uh, at the end of January. And this is just a two-day experience uh, for you, for those of you that that just want to really go further in discovering your gifts and your strengths and and really thinking about your story and, and maybe what's happened in your life up to this moment and how that's going to play a part in where you go from here. It's going to be a part of your great story and your great contribution, just like in the life of the Apostle Paul. Again, no matter your vocation, no matter your history, you've been created with a purpose and for greater things. And so this Wired Workshop will help you understand who you are and how the Lord has uniquely wired each of us for ministry in his kingdom. And uh, this is our first offering with this workshop. We're really excited about it. You can sign up through your connection card, through the Genesis... Genesis app or or at the website. So what do you need to say yes to? But finally, I want to challenge you to be thinking and praying about uh, one more thing. And some of you, 
are ready to act on this one thing. Here's my challenge for you. As we head into 2016, I want to challenge you to be an Ananias for somebody else. And that means it's a challenge to more intentionally invest in someone, to be praying for someone. It's a challenge to disciple someone in your life. We, if you're a follower of Christ, we need one of the responsibilities, one of the commands that we have been given is to make disciples of others. We, we've got to be willing as followers of Christ to walk alongside of people, to challenge others, to encourage others, to take a step into faith or to grow in their faith. Can I challenge you to be that someone for someone else this next year? Is there somebody that God has put in your life? Is there somebody that God is going to challenge you to invest in? If you don't know who that person is, will you pray? Will you ask the Lord, who is it for me? See, here's our desire. Here's our vision as a church. We want to be a disciple-making church. And that means every Christian, every follower of Christ in disciple-making relationships with others. What do you need to say yes to? you start this new year and will you be an Ananias for someone else and who might that someone else be see Christmas means we have a new and glorious more and now is the best time for us to forget what is behind and to press on towards the goal of living for Christ Jesus let's pray together Father that's our goal that's our desire today We know we haven't taken a hold of it yet, but one thing we want to do is we want to forget what is behind and we want to strain toward what is ahead. And so, Father, today, individually, today as a church, we just say we want to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, as you speak in our hearts, into our hearts and our lives today, would you make it absolutely clear the next steps that you're calling us today to take? And give us the boldness and the courage to take those steps, to keep trusting you, to reach out to trust you, to keep investigating until we're ready to trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.